Please be seated. Just when I thought that the emotional side had ended, Brookie Crawford shows up. I can't wait to give you a hug. <laughs> it is so good to see the Crawford family here, and I'm getting teary-eyed again. Anyway, it has been a good week once again. It has been a great weekend because my wife has been with me uh, this weekend, and we've had a lot of fun exploring Paris and driving up and down roads and getting lost and not knowing really where we are. And we've discovered out where we have uh, bought a home, and I'm not sure what all's going on, but if you don't have cell service, GPS doesn't work. And so there have been times I've been lost because GPS didn't work, and I just keep driving, and eventually you get a signal and can find out where you are, and everything is, is fine. But anyway, even though it's been a great weekend, Lori and I are a little sad this morning. We, we found out uh, Thursday night that our grandson is moving to Denver, Colorado, we don't care if his parents move, but, but we really want him to stay with us. And anyway, so please be praying for Luke and, and Lindsay and, and Jet. Uh, they'll be moving up to Denver in the next two or three weeks. And I think Lori has already memorized the flight schedule from Love Field to Denver. And I have already looked at the NBA schedule, which has just been released. The Thunder will be playing in Denver twice. And so don't be surprised if we're up there a couple of times to see the Thunder. And can't wait for the baseball schedule to get out next summer. Because when the Cardinals are in Denver, I'll be going back, you know, to, to see my grandson. But anyway... Continue to uh, think about sacking the pulpit. Uh, summer, the end of summer is approaching us, and a lot of wonderful things are being planned for the fall. New Bible classes will begin on Wednesday night, and more announcements will be made about those classes very soon. Uh, men's breakfast uh, will resume. A lot of lady, ladies' activities will resume. So. Uh, enjoy the last two or three weeks of summer and then get ready to buckle your seat belts because we'll be taking off uh, when fall uh, arrives. According to a survey conducted by the Barna Research Group, worship is considered the most important aspect of being a Christian. It was compared to evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, stewardship, and compassionate service. And this survey revealed that 92% of all church adults said that it is very important for them to worship God. In fact, the most important thing. However, while worship is considered the most important faith uh, venture, many churchgoers struggle to have a consistently positive worship experience, sometimes 
for reasons of their own making. Now think about that for just a moment. What Barna's research exposed was also true of God's people over 2,400 years ago. In 430 B.C., God sent his prophet Malachi to awaken Israel. He begins with the indicative as God reassures them of his love for them. In chapter 1, verse 2, God says, I have loved you. In the tense of that verb uh, implies that he continues to love them. However, there is some reform that needs to take place. And so the rest of that uh, short prophetic message, God challenges Israel through his prophet Malachi to conform to God's law. And the first behavioral issue that he addresses in this powerful little book is worship and concerns a particular act of worship. This really is our third Sunday morning that we are emphasizing the first prong of our vision statement, connect with God. And connect with God, that aspect of our vision statement reads this way. We will continually seek a deeper connection with God through sincere worship and spiritual disciplines. We will reach out and make disciples that do the same. And so for the next few weeks, I will continue to to talk about connecting with God, especially through sincere worship. And in the first lesson last week, I defined worship for this particular study this way. Worship would be those times in which the church is called together or assembled to encounter God, experience God, express our love and devotion to God, and be encouraged to serve God. And I mentioned last week that throughout this series, I will tend to use the word worship and assembly synonymously or interchangeably. Because what we're talking about primarily are those times that we are called together every first day of the week between the hour of 10 and according to DJ Bull, 75 minutes is the optimum worship time. So about 75 minutes, give or take a few, that we are called together to express our love and devotion to God. And as we continue through this series, you're going to find that from week to week, we're really going to talk about the same thing. We'll just talk about it in different ways, looking at different passages of Scripture. I learned a long time ago the three R's of learning really are not reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's repetition, repetition, repetition. So a lot of this will be repeat and building upon some of the themes that DJ uh, challenged us with just two Sundays ago. So we're going to look at the book of Malachi this morning. So look in your Old Testament at the book of Malachi. We're going to study verses 6 uh, through 14 this morning. 
And again, it's, it's very interesting to me that after God expresses and affirms his love for his people, he immediately begins to correct them. And the very first thing that he addresses is an act of worship, sacrifices that the Levitical system called for uh, of God's people. And you might divide our our passage this morning into three sections. This portion of our lesson will be brought to us by the letter R. Verses 6 through 8, the rebuke, the rebuke. A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty, it is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible? When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, Is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. This initial rebuke or reprimand is expressed with a generally accepted principle that a father is honored by his son and a master by his servant. And yet when Israel was approaching God in worship, they are not honoring God and giving him the reverence that he deserves. You know, when you go back and you look at the Levitical system, when Israel approached God in worship, it's not that he uh, uh, required a lot of them by way of sacrifice. He just required two things that it be first and it be the best. And we've just read in this, in this brief text, they weren't bringing God uh, the best. And so the rebuke then in verses 9 through 11 becomes the reality. Here is the reality of what was occurring uh, in Israel. Let's pick up the text in verse 9. Now plead with God to be gracious to us, With such offerings from your hands will he accept you, again, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you might not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets in every place Incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. The reality is this. Their worship was so unacceptable, God says, I would rather you shut the temple doors than bring before me this insincere worship. Verse 9 is is a a challenging verse to translate uh, into English. Uh, God is speaking, and God is being uh, quoted, 
but he refers to himself in a third person, and it's as if there's some irony here being used by Malachi. God will not be softened. God will not be fooled, we might say, by this mundane offering of sacrifices day after day after day when it was not the type of sacrifice God required of his people. But not only is a closed temple better than one that perpetuates insincere worship, God even suggests in this text that he will go outside of his own people to find worshipers who will honor him. As I was reflecting upon this text uh, this past week, I couldn't help but think of the encounter that Jesus had with the woman of Samaria at Jacob's well. And as Jesus begins to dialogue with her, the subject turns to worship. And Jesus makes the point that there is a day coming when God will seek worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not going to be in some temple. It's not going to be on a particular mountain. But God will be looking at the heart. And that's really kind of the point of Malachi's message. And so this text concludes in verses 12 through 14 with this reminder about uh, worship. But you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously. I practiced on that word several times this week. Says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them a sacrifice, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who has an unacceptable, or excuse me, an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. A couple of reminders here. As, as Malachi concludes this initial uh, correction of this insincere worship. Verse 12 suggests that worship, and particularly the offering of these sacrifices, had become a drudgery. Uh, The word that's translated in the NIV as burden uh, suggests weariness, toil, hardship. The word literally means to travel long or to travel to to no end, right? Parents, ever been on one of those long road trips and your child asks you, are we there yet, right? And the trip becomes drudgery. And that's what worship had become to God's people. It just seemed to never end. Now, I started to ask you if you've ever been a part of a worship assembly, that you thought would never end. But I'm not going to do, do that this morning. All right? But that's the point, all right? That, that our approach to worship, it is not something we look forward to. We just view it as this unending uh, trip or journey, if you will, and we keep wondering, are we there yet? 
Will we ever reach uh, our destination? God goes on to remind his people through Malachi that a curse awaits those who are guilty of corrupt worship. And to be cursed in uh, this context is to be banished. It means to be removed from the place of blessing. Uh, Perhaps you've been at an athletic event or you've been in some other uh, public place and uh, an individual is misbehaving and they are asked to leave. And if they don't leave, they are escorted out the door. That's the idea. That's the word picture here of God's people coming together to worship and it's not sincere. They are not honoring God with their hearts. They're just kind of going through the motion and God says, I'll remove you. I'll remove you. You'll be banished. You will be cursed in that sense. And then this text concludes with the reminder that God is great. You know, if you were here last week, I suggested that we become a 4G church uh, when it comes to worship. Uh, We gather... Number two, we glorify. We glorify God because of who he is, because he is great. That is why we are uh, together. So, as we reflect upon this text, and as we seek to connect with God as a part of our vision statement, as a part of who we are as God's people here at Lamar Avenue. And as we begin to think about sincere worship, let me suggest five things this morning that might help us improve our worship, our assembly time. Again, that that 75 minutes or so that we come together to glorify uh, our uh, God. This portion of our lesson is brought to us by the letter A. Here we go. Number one, anticipate each assembly. Don't look at it as drudgery. Don't think of church as this long trip that never ends, regardless of the preaching, okay? But anticipate it, right? You know, I've reached a point in my life where... I don't like long journeys in a car. I mean, you get a little over two, two and a half hours, and I'm flying, all right? And even long flights, I just hurt, okay? But if it's a journey to Oklahoma City, or now a journey to Denver, I'm going to anticipate it because of what's at the end, right? Anybody anxious for football season? We're, We're anticipating kickoff. A football season. And, and we, don't, we don't think of that anticipation as, as a drudgery. We can't wait for it to get here. And, and so maybe just a little attitude adjustment about how we view our assembly. It's, it's not that I, I learned this at a, at a youth rally when I was in the 8th or ninth grade. Grady King was probably the speaker. He's so much older than I am. But I I remember this. You know, you don't have to, you get to. You don't have to go to church, you get to go to church. And so it's just a a, a change of attitude where we are anticipating being together. We're expecting something to happen. 
as God's Spirit fills us and moves us when we assemble to glorify His name. Number two, we need to acknowledge that we can improve our assembly. That's why DJ came in. That's why we're emphasizing from the pulpit, connecting with God through uh, sincere worship over the next uh, several weeks. If you go back to verses 6 and 7, the priest could not accept Malachi's rebuke. They were not conscious of doing anything wrong. And their unconsciousness perpetuated the problem. How can you improve if you don't think improvement is needed? Okay, And so as we begin to anticipate each assembly, let's, let's acknowledge that we can uh, improve this hour to hour and 15 minutes that we spend together every uh, Sunday morning. And so number three, assume some responsibility. All right. I want you to hold me accountable. If you think I'm getting lazy up here, you need to tell me. Right? Isn't turnabout fair play? Okay? So assume some responsibility. Alright? We, we, we talked about this last week just briefly. Prepare yourself a little bit. You know, d d don't fuss with your spouse and your children on the way up here. Alright? I had an individual who will remain nameless who confessed, might have done that last Sunday, okay? Jay Cannon, I won't mention your name. But, but, but prepare yourself. Again, if you're anticipating something with an expectation, all right, you're, you're going to assume some responsibility there. And so how can you improve? Bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. Pray as you enter. Be prepared to start at 10 o'clock when our worship leader gets up here and we begin to sing these wonderful praises. During the sermon, turn in the text. Jot down some notes. Again, constantly being in prayer as we have assembled together to glorify our God. Which brings us to number four. Ascribe to God his proper place. Again, verse six, there are two words which emphasize, again, who God is as our creator. The first word is translated honor. It literally means heavy. All right? And so to honor God is to acknowledge his weight, right? his importance, metaphorically his authority. And synonymous with this word honor is the word respect, literally the word fear. Right? Uh, realizing that we are coming into the presence of our creator. And when you put these two words together, they suggest reverence and confidence and faith and trust and worship. The adoration that our creator uh, enjoys. And then finally, allow the assembly to motivate you. And now we go back to Hebrews chapter 13. If you were here last week, you'll remember the fourth, the fourth G. We gather, we glorify, we grow together in the assembly, and then we go. This is just another way of emphasizing our going. 
okay? We allow the assembly to motivate us, and I think you see that in this text from Hebrews 13. The writer says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. He tells us what that sacrifice of praise is. It's the fruit of our lips that openly profess or praise or confess His name. A number of words that we could choose there. And so, if it's okay, maybe applying that to, you know, again, that that time of of worship between 10 and, and whatever, that we have gathered together to glorify God, but it doesn't stop there. The writer then says in verse 16, and don't forget, it's as if he is saying, okay, you've, you've come together, you've praised, you've, you've participated in worship. We, we tend to emphasize five acts, and you've, and you've done those things. But when you leave, don't forget what you've done. Right? And what we've done should motivate us to do, he says, to do good and to share with others. What's interesting about those two words, they're they're translated in nearly every English translation as verbs, but they're actually nouns, okay? And and sometimes in the Greek language, when you translate, you you have to add a verb in English for the verse to make sense. But but what the writer is saying, don't forget, you know, don't, don't go brain dead, might be modern terminology, That when you leave, goodness should follow. And the word translated sharing here is actually koinonia, fellowship. Don't forget to fellowship. And and so again, if I I could bring it into kind of our our context, what we do together corporately as God's people in worship in glorifying his name, we go out and then Monday through Saturday, we're doing good. We're benefiting people. We're not forgetting to fellowship. We're sharing. There are a number of things that that we have in common, and and so we encourage each other, and we share with each other, and we do good. Paul basically says that in Galatians 6, and he says especially to the household of faith. We especially are going to take care of each other. Now, the text in Malachi has emphasized one particular, whoops, there goes Stephen's notes, one particular act of of service, okay, Uh, or act of worship, and that was sacrificing. And and again, we've kind of tended to reduce worship to five acts. You know what they are, right? Singing, praying, giving, communing, and preaching. And we've, we've added a sixth, announcements. All right, I don't know how, it might be biblical, you know, if we looked hard enough, okay. And and my concern is that somewhat like ancient Israel, that we feel like if we've just kind of done all of those acts of worship, we kind of clock in, we clock out, and we leave, and we've worshipped. And we forget the impact that worship is to have upon us. And so I remind us again of the words of Jesus to the woman of Samaria that he met at Jacob's well. God seeks. That's an active seeking. Think about that. 
God is seeking, God is searching those who will worship in spirit and truth. Heart issues. I'm not saying that we don't continue to do those five acts. And it's, it's, it's one way that, or, or several ways that we glorify God together. But not to neglect the heart. And not to neglect what worship should do to us. And that is change us and prepare us for the week ahead. And so the question this morning lost my notes the question this morning is this is our worship sincere i mean that's our goal according to our vision statement and so as we conclude this morning let's continue to reflect continue to challenge each other on on how we can make this 75 minutes the best 75 minutes of our week and how it prepares us to then go out as instruments of God and be a light to this community and beyond is our worship sincere. Let's stand.